This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Because we were so broke, like almost lost our house broke. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to make this photography thing work, then it's now or never. And I legit spent the next three months so busy because I had been so consistent with networking meetings and posting on my blog, being on social media and hosting events that all of the sudden, all of that work started to come to fruition. And I was like, oh, it's about consistency, being consistent at what you're really great at. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Kat Ford Coates with Studio 828 Photography out of Asheville, North Carolina, and she has a really interesting story. So shortly before starting her photography business, Kat was pretty close to losing her home, and her photography business is what finally gave her the income that she's always dreamed of so that she didn't have to stress about finances anymore. It didn't happen overnight, and Kat is very transparent about that. She shares with us what she did in order to bring in clients and also how she really had to improve her photography skills to get her sales average up. Kat now has two associate photographers at her studio and clearly is a success with her business. She is definitely a wise one, and I loved having this conversation with her, and I hope you enjoy listening. Hi, Kat. Welcome to The Portrait System. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for taking time out to talk with me and share your story with everyone. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited for the opportunity for sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so what we're going to do is before we hear all about your business and everything that you're doing now, it's always good for people to have just the history of how you got to where you are. So would you mind talking to us about, well, I know that you were in the food and beverage industry prior to the photography industry. Mm -hmm. So maybe start there and tell us what life was like for you then. Sure. I was a bartender forever. (laughs) (laughs) But after about 12 years, I took a job as a restaurant manager. I'd sort of moved up from the bartender, bar manager realm and into a family-owned business where I was for, I guess, about eight months. And it was outside of the neighborhood that I was normally bartending in and working through. And the family had a falling out and closed the business and I was laid off. Mm. So life then was really great. It was a lot of fun. I love the hustle and bustle of a restaurant industry. It's very, it's very energetic, Mm -hmm. but it's also very unreliable and really hit or miss. Yes. You know, like if you don't (laughs) have the shifts, then you're really under underwater. Yeah. I don't know if you know this about me, but that's what I did all throughout undergrad and graduate school was bartending and waiting tables. And yeah, definitely. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I did it for eight years. Yeah. Learned about some great food though. That's for sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. So you got laid off from the restaurant, which I'm sure is like, okay, it's like you made this switch from bartending to a I'm assuming a pretty great restaurant management position. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like, oh, just kidding. Yep, exactly. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because I was gone just long enough to lose my bartending following. I worked a lot in like martini bars and nightclubs. So 
after about six months, like all of that fell away. So when I came back downtown to try and get a job after being laid off, nobody would touch me with a 10 foot pole. So I ended up with like four part-time jobs. Wow. It must've been a competitive thing to get into. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, and especially like I had been a pretty big name bartender as bartenders go, I Mm -hmm. guess, in downtown. But I'd also crossed over that like I was 35. And so all of the the bartenders then, even only a few months later, were in their 20s and they were hustling and they had followings. And I was like, oh, gotcha. Okay. So what did you do? So I had like one or two night gigs at four different bars. And one of those is this restaurant that was downtown. And I often refer to it as where bartenders get put out to pasture. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) But I had a couple regulars there, really super nice guys, you know, but would come in every day and drink Budweiser and just kind of shoot the breeze. And you know, they're single guys that are middle-aged and they were like, hey, Kat, you really like to take pictures. Will you take pictures of us for our dating profile sites? Ah. And I was like, oh, sure. Why not? And we went out and it was all, you know, on location, right? Because <laughs> whatever, I didn't have a studio. And when we were done, like we had fun and we were gone for maybe a half an hour. He handed me 50 bucks and I was like, oh, whoa, no, I can't take your money. And he looked at me square in the eye and he was like, Kat, it would stand to reason that if I were going to pay you for Budweiser, that I would pay you to take my pictures. And I went, oh. Ah, right. Light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's really kind of when things shifted. Did you have a DSLR at this point? Like, were you interested in photography before? I was interested in photography. I'd even taken darkroom courses in college. Okay. And I had some film cameras, but the first, God, Two years of my business was built on a borrowed first-generation rebel. Mm, okay. Yep. Well, hey, you know, whatever works. <laughs> that just yeah, goes find to sh- a way, right? Right. It just goes to show you don't need anything fancy. I mean, I know Sue built her business on a kit lens. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you use what you have at the time. Okay, so yeah. he's like, I'm going to pay you $50. Light bulb goes on. And did you, like, open your business right then and there? Not right then and there. I was already in flow with some people that I worked with to open another business that was in the land of brewing. So that was underway. And so I would start kind of just taking gigs under the table with photography, like 50 bucks here, a hundred bucks there, just to generate some cash flow. Mm -hmm. But my business started officially about four months later. Okay. And what made you decide, you know, it's time, it's time to start my business? Well, honestly, the brewing business we knew wasn't going to generate a paycheck at all for the first like five years. Really? And I couldn't, yeah. And I could not imagine having to work for part-time gigs as a bartender and brewing sake and trying to pay my mortgage. There was just no way. So I had more and more people like trying to give me money to take their photographs. And I was like, okay, you know what? This is obviously the universe telling me to just get it together. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I've always loved doing it. You know, I was always the one with the camera with friends and family. I'm the one who is restoring all of the images for my family for like the last four generations of pictures. And I archive everything. So it just sort of stood to reason that that would be a natural path for me. Okay, so then you're like, all right, I need this, obviously, because it just blows my mind that to start a different business and know that you're not going to make any income for five years, Mm -hmm. that's a tough pill to swallow when starting a business. So I could see why you would be like, okay, I got to do something else. Yeah, it was pretty intense for sure. All right, so you decided you're going to start your photography business. Were you shooting just dating profile photos or, you know, what were you shooting at that time? And were you charging a good amount or what was happening then? Oh, I was shooting anything and everything. (laughs) I actually was going through pictures in my phone and my iCloud account. And I found the first time I ever photographed a newborn, somebody brought their newborn to my house with these crazy, you know, super cheap limo lights from that I bought on Amazon that I had no (laughs) idea what I was doing with. And the pictures were horrible. It was the first and last time I shot a newborn. But no, I wasn't charging anything sustainable, even remotely. 
There was one month I was so busy shooting, I actually lost about $1,300 when I did the math between the shoot and burn price model and a sustainable rate. Like if my average needed to be right around $400 and in order to pay myself, I was actually underwater by $1,300 for an entire month because I wasn't charging even remotely professional standard. Wow. Now, is that because of the amount of time you were spending on each session compared to Mm -hmm. what you were charging? Yeah. Wow. You know, okay. I love that you say that because I think sometimes when people are afraid to raise their prices, they're doing the shoot and burn model where they're only charging a couple hundred bucks here or even four or 500. If you don't take the time to do the math and calculate what you're making per hour, or if you're, even if you're making anything, in your case, you weren't, uh, you know, actually you were losing money. Mm-hmm. I think that people don't realize it if they don't actually break it down. Oh, exactly. Exactly. You know, and for me, it was realizing, and I, I break everything back down to working in the restaurant industry, whether I'm talking about a menu item, you know, steak versus portrait, right? But it was, oh, well, if I know that I'm walking out of there netting $60 an hour as a bartender working an afternoon shift, oh, well, if that's the case, then why would I not expect to do that with something like photography, something that I love Mm -hmm, doing? mm -hmm, For sure. And that's really when that light bulb went off for me of, oh, we need to figure out this sustainability bit because this 200 bucks here, 300 bucks there is not going to fly. It doesn't matter how much I love editing or sitting on my couch and thinking about marketing campaigns, what matters is actually being at a profitable level so I can continue to do this for more than six months. Right, right. Okay, so what did you do then once you realized you're like underwater on the time you're spending and what you, versus what you were charging? So back then it was, well, weddings are the obvious choice. Asheville uh, is a destination yep. space. And so people are constantly coming here for weddings. And I was like, you know, if I can garner 1500 bucks for a wedding, then I can sort of offset my portrait stuff and really like try and make a go of the business model that way. And then I realized I could barely get $1,500 for weddings. And I shot weddings at that point, God, I think maybe a total of two and a half seasons. And I still couldn't get past like $1,500, $2,000 for a wedding. Oh yeah, that is, yeah, that's tough. Let's be real. Weddings are so much work. So much work. You're doing burpees for 12 hours. Like, who <laughs> wants to do that? <laughs> and I know there are a lot of people out there listening who love shooting weddings and make a great living doing it. I just know that personally for me, it was not my thing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't ever yeah. wrap my brain around doing it for that long. Like you said, the physical part of it, the mental part of it, the editing part of it, everything. Well, and I wanted to go in and like edit every single image. Mm, And then mm -hmm. when I would go through all of the imagery, I realized that I was making portraits out of everything, whether it was candid or otherwise. And I was like, oh, huh, everything's a portrait. Yes, totally. I mean, you just can't. It's so funny that you say that because I'm thinking about when once I did start shooting portraits and I understood what it takes to make a beautiful portrait for the Mm post-processing. I was doing the same with the wedding. I could not not touch a photo. Right? <laughs> like, like I had to put my <laughs> color tones and my, you know, spin on it and just like remove the zit and, you know, all, oh yeah, all of it. Hours all and hours. All of the yeah. things. Okay, so weddings weren't for you. No. And you're, you know, burning out from hardly charging 1500 maybe 2000 Then what? Well, that's actually when I discovered Sue Bryce. Ah. So I found her maybe in... It was late in the year. It was probably somewhere between Halloween and Thanksgiving. What year are we talking? How long ago was this? This was in 2014. 14, okay. This was in 2014. And I don't know if it was the Fear Talk or Creative Live is running a special or something. And I found this woman that could show me how to make a full-time business out of portrait photography and do it in a way that was empowering for the people that she was doing business with. And it blew me away. And I was like, okay, I've got to figure this out. Because at the same time, this other business that I had launched two years before was drowning, Mm, like mm -hmm. so badly. And I knew it wasn't going to be long. And we made it maybe another six months. So for that Christmas, I was like, you know what? For myself this year, like, because we were so broke, so broke. 
like almost lost our house broke. Wow. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to make this photography thing work, because obviously the brewing isn't, then it's now or never. And I've got to figure out how to do this in a way that is going to be sustainable because weddings aren't working for me. I don't love it. It's driving me crazy. It's killing me. Mm-hmm. I've got to figure a way out. And I think this woman, I think this is it. And so I took all of the money that I'd gotten like from my parents for Christmas that year and the money that I'd saved, I think it was 200 bucks on sale. And I bought 28 days from Creative Live for myself as a way to really like pivot and make something out of myself. And the rest is history. Right. Which now it's nice because you can get all of the content that's so much more updated than the 28 days for only 35 bucks. Oh, so much more. Yeah. Okay. So you bought our course and you're like, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. I had found somebody to share a studio space with that was like maybe three or four blocks from my other business. So I could leave one business and go to the studio that was like this super tiny little space that I shared with another photographer. And he was a banker by day. So he was never there during the week. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, it was super nice. And that's really where I started all of the things. Like I would take each day's lesson, right? Which was really like a week. And starting in January of that year was that when the cycle started for the Facebook group. So I would do that lesson that week and I would actually book people in to come in and like work with me on that continuing education. And then we would do a full shoot in addition to that. And that's how I built sales so that I didn't drown. I love that you did that. That's what people are doing now with the 12-week startup. It's it's like Mm -hmm. the same type of situation where people are each week taking a lesson, applying it to their either now business or the start of their business. Yeah, that's great. Well, and I love seeing them when they get it, when they post something in the group and they're like, oh my God, I finally got it. Can you see this? Yep. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. Yes, totally. I want to back up for a second, though, because you had said that there was something about all of this that resonated with you. And I know you had shared to me before, just like as a teenager or as a kid, that things weren't always super easy. Mm -hmm. And you had said that this sort of photography resonated with you. Would you mind sharing about that? Sure, sure. So growing up, I was a pretty chubby kid, I guess is the best way to put it. And I was bullied for a long time. You know, when you're in elementary school and middle school, you're oftentimes with the same group of people through all of these these years. Right. And I sort of came into my own, I guess, my sophomore year in high school. I was very theatrical. I was in a music program. And my parents thought it would be a really good opportunity for me to study modeling as an opportunity because at the time I was thinking about like, yeah, I want to go to Broadway or, mm-hmm. you know, insert big dream here, right? Yeah. And so I was in a modeling school and at the end of that was a photo shoot, right? They take you through the whole process and like you're on a commercial gig. And it was the very first time in my life that I was seen by a photographer and it wasn't a surprise that I was beautiful. Mm. And I didn't realize that until maybe a few years ago when I started putting two and two together with why Sue Bryce resonated with me. Because that's what she does for her people every day, for her clientele. And she's built a profitable business around empowering people by simply seeing them and seeing the beauty that they bring to the world. And that's what I wanted to do for other people. Mm -hmm. I love that. There is something really powerful about experiencing feeling beautiful like that, Mm -hmm. especially if you haven't felt that way before. Especially. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that in in servicing your clients, having that experience, does that help with how you service them? Oh, immensely, immensely. And it's so funny too, because when I build my marketing calendar, right, I pick different demographics to target throughout the year. And every time I target a new demographic, whether it's, you know, women over 40 who are like me, right, who have not experienced feeling beautiful or even seen, let alone beautiful, in years, I'm like, God, this is my favorite. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. this because I'm able to bring this, this quality experience to them. And then the next quarter, it would be, you know, photographing teens and being able to give that same experience to those girls and going, God, this is my favorite. Every single time I pivot, 
it's my absolute favorite. And I really do credit having that education from Sue to really be able to pull that from people to let them experience that transformation for themselves throughout this process with my studio. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's almost like we're caring for someone in a way that, mm-hmm. you know, they might not have felt this like pampering before or, right? you know, we often hear about people say they hate being in photos and they hate having their photo taken. I remember at a wedding I was shooting, I was going around to each table. The couple wanted a photo of each table and there was a woman and she was sitting with her kids. They were older, you know, in their twenties, maybe, you know, the mm-hmm. kids were somewhat grown and the mom had put a plate up in front of her face for the photo. Oh and I was like, oh no, no, you know, the bride and groom want everyone in the photos. Like, this is you. Let's put you in the photo. Yeah. Yeah. And she refused. Her kids are like, mom, come on. And it got to the point where it was awkward and uncomfortable for everyone. So I just mm. took the photo. You know, I wasn't really in a position where it was just me and her in my studio and that sort of thing. I just took right. the photo. And now her family's going to have a picture of her with a plate in front of her face. Yeah. And that has always stuck with me of how deep it runs for people who don't feel like they deserve to be in photos, much less feel Mm -hmm. beautiful in photos. So yeah, I'm glad that that's something that you feel is such an important part of what you do. Oh, it absolutely is. It's at the core of it. Yeah. Okay. I totally digress there, (laughs) but I think that that was such, (laughs) such an important part of your story. Okay. So at that time you rented the studio, you're sharing with someone who's hardly ever there. Tell me what happens next. Do you raise your pricing? How are you finding all these clients? Like what was happening? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I was finding clients. I'd put out a model call on my blog, and then I would direct like Facebook advertising dollars to that blog and put people through an application process from my website. So tell me more about the model call. Who were you looking for? Was there criteria? What was that all about? I broke it up by demographic. Again, everything is by the demographic. And I would put out a new model call every couple of months. But it was always based around, I'm taking this course. It's continuing education to build my portfolio, to help me build a sustainable business. And, you know, please apply if you're interested. This is what you're getting, right? Because it was all about, well, why would somebody want to be a part of it? And I would emphasize that I wasn't looking for models specifically. I was looking for regular everyday women with families, without families, Mm -hmm. you know, grandmothers and teens to build out all of these different lessons throughout this 28-week program. Wow. Okay, so I love that you attached it to your blog because now you're driving the traffic to your website, which is good for SEO. I know you know a ton about SEO, so that's amazing. (laughs) Okay, so you've got the blog post. Someone applies, and then what? So somebody applies, and then I get an email in my inbox just the same way you would an inquiry, right? Mm -hmm. And then in the mornings... I would follow up with any new leads that came in and we would just have a really quick phone consultation and talk about the pieces that I was going to work on, like that next project. And I would say, look, you know, I have 28 weeks or 14 weeks left or whatever. And these are the different types of things that I know that I need help in mastering. And did any of them speak to them? Right. Because some of it was, you know, posing family. Some of it was three generations. Some of it was simply posing a woman and working on flow posing. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, what's their situation? What kind of photography are they looking for? And how can I plug them into what I was learning? Right. Okay. So are you charging these people? Mm -hmm. Are they getting hair and makeup? So hair and makeup was charged separately. Because some people I would say, you know, you can go ahead and decline that and take care of it on your own, but I can also hire somebody in. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that would be an additional charge. I wouldn't charge a session fee, but I did charge, like, I think it was a $150 retainer that I would apply toward a purchase, but I would include the session itself and then one image. So they could come in for $150 and walk away with something. Okay. Gotcha. But then if they wanted to, purchase more. They absolutely could, but it wasn't a requirement. So that I would take that $150 retainer that they had paid and that image credit and apply it toward whatever they bought. Okay. Gotcha. And did you find that people were purchasing more or were they just walking away with that one photo? I guess at the time it was probably 50-50. I had some people come in and just like, oh my God, that was so much fun. Thank you. Right. And walk away with their one image. And then I had other people come in and really struggle to narrow it down from 20 images. Right. 
And so that's really when things started shifting and I was like, oh, but I understood the average. Because at first, you know, those no sales, you're like, oh, bummer. Mm -hmm. But then you go, oh, wait, but this lady just spent $1,600. Oh, now I get it. Now I have an $800 average, right? And that's when the ball started rolling. Okay, so these people, they're coming in, they're doing the shoot, some are buying, some aren't. Are you getting more clients from them? Are you marketing in other ways other than the model call? Did you have your pricing set at this point? Are you still just like in learning mode? Like, did you have a proper business going at this point? I think this is when I built the proper business. Okay. So I really took to heart like the super ice business model and the pricing structure. And of course I wanted to make it mine, right? Mm -hmm. Quote, end quote. So I shifted all of the the pricing thinking that I understood the structure and like really lowballed everything because my hang up was I need to have a package that's under $1,000. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, because I'm thinking with my wallet, right? Right. And I'm like, it just doesn't make sense to me if I don't have anything under $1,000. And then it dawned on me one day, this woman came in and she said, God, I can get all of this for 900 bucks. Huh, Okay. And really what she wanted to do, she said, you know, Kat, I want this box of 20, but I'm perfectly fine to have this box of five for 900 bucks. It's all the same. Mm. And I went, oh, okay. And that's when I went, I'm just going to literally copy everything from 28 days for the pricing. And it's going to be 1,200, 1,800, 2,400. And I'm just going to leave it alone. And then all of a sudden, people started spending $1,800 and not arguing about whether or not they wanted 20 or 5 I love the point you brought up about you felt like you should have something under 1000 I think a lot of mm-hmm. us get into that mental space. It's like this psychology, you know, of the mm-hmm. mind where, oh my gosh, if it's $1,000, they are never going to yep. spend it. It's like we have to value it and believe it and just be okay with it or at least have it happen one time for us to believe that people will spend more. And as soon as we make that mental shift, isn't it amazing how the clients will just come along with you? Oh, yeah. And they do. They churn up and they're just like, oh, of course. That's great. Yeah, let's do it. And you're like, why the hell was I kicking myself like this then? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know, and that's not to say that everyone is going to buy or book you or spend. Like you said, it's the law of averages and we totally get that. Mm -hmm. But once you can shift your own mental block around it, it is amazing how much it changes. Well, it's about bringing things into alignment and you attract what you are. So if I'm attracting people who are telling me, right, oh gosh, that's so expensive. And I believe what they're saying. The reason they're saying it is because I believe it in the first place. Right. And if I shift to where I'm like, and I start getting mad because nobody's spending more than $1,000. Oh, okay. Then the universe goes, okay. Here you go. Hire somebody that spends $1,500. And I go, gosh, thank you. And then all of a sudden people are like, God, $900, that's so cheap. Why don't I just do $1,500? Right. And it just grows exponentially. So at this point then, you decided, all right, $1,200, $1,800, $2,400, these are my packages, and people are just paying that all of a sudden? Or what was happening? I mean- Yes and no, right? Because you still have those no sales. And frankly, my photography was better, but it wasn't great. I really think that a lot of those no sales occurred because maybe it wasn't tax sharp or I didn't connect with them in that experience piece or, you know, insert quality issue here. But the fact was I was trying and I was relentless. Mm -hmm. Well, it takes that. It takes being relentless. It takes Mm -hmm. mastering our craft. It takes practice. It takes work. You know, like Sue always says, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So that makes sense. Absolutely. I know for me, it was a marathon. You know, it wasn't just overnight, all of a sudden, all these clients started coming. We have to do the work. Although it doesn't have to take years either. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. I think you have to be open to learning about the process and doing not just the work on the posing or the business plan, but also the inner work that comes with it. Mm -hmm. So when you start looking for the reasons people might say no and saying, well, I need something under $1,000, that's my inner business. And being able to recognize that over and over again as you reach a new height, as it were, 
what is it? Sue says it's the same view, a different altitude every time you go around the mountain. Right, right. Totally. Being able to recognize that in yourself and understand that's my ego talking and not what actually is or isn't. Right. And yeah, and it's true for sure. So at what point Mm -hmm. did you start making consistent sales where you were, you know, comfortable with the income? Actually, Nikki, I hired you as a mentor in 2016. And one of the conversations that we had really kind of blew me away. We were talking about average sales. And at the time, I think my average sale was right at 1700. Mm -hmm. And I was like, God, I just can't get it to catch. Like I have a good average sale, but I couldn't get people in consistently. And it was like, I would have a great month of, you know, six or seven clients. And then the next two months were two clients. And I was like, Mm -hmm. and you're like, cat, it just takes consistency. You just have to keep going. And that's when I was like, shut up, cat. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Of course, of course, because nothing does happen overnight, but then all of a sudden it does. And when we had that conversation and it sort of fell in my lap, I legit spent the next three months so busy because I was like, oh, okay. And I had been so consistent with networking meetings and posting on my blog and being on social media and hosting events in my spaces that all of the sudden, all of that work started to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. People were sending me referrals and like there were these different streams basically of clients that were showing up on my doorstep. And I was like, oh, because it's about consistency. Duh. <laughs> consistency is so, so, so important. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can just go to one networking meeting or put one social media post. Right. That's just not how it works mm-hmm. with any sort of marketing that we do. I mean, you hear people spending thousands and thousands of dollars every month on Facebook ads. And that's not by accident. That's because people sometimes consistently need to see those Facebook ads. People consistently need to see your work. People consistently need Mm -hmm. to hear your pitch. If someone says no, it doesn't necessarily mean never. It might just mean not yet. So if they see you again, maybe the next time is the time they're going to decide to book. Absolutely. So, yeah. I'm like, I'm glad I said that in 2016. (laughs) But no, it really is key. And I'm so glad that all of the work that you've done did come to fruition. Thank you. Thank you. Do you find though, it's not just like, oh, I was consistent for a period and now I can stop. You know, you think that in the moment because you transition from being so busy with the consistency on the building stuff that once it shows up, you can kind of lay off a little bit and focus on the clients that are in front of you. But then you get to the end of that client stream and because you haven't been consistent with those same marketing efforts, you're dead in the water. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's about finding a way to have as much of that as possible run on autopilot because you do want to be able to focus on your people, on the clients that are in front of you and cultivating that network mm-hmm. and the experience that they're having with you. But that also means that all of those Facebook ads and those blog posts, like you have to structure that in such a way that it happens without you looking at it and you can just turn it on and turn it off as you need to. Yeah, absolutely. Sue knows how great you are with SEO. And she had you on one of her lives on the website recently to talk about SEO and being Mm -hmm. consistent with SEO. Because I know for you, that is a marketing strategy that works so well for you. So well. Yeah. Whereas me, I'm like, what's SEO? Huh? Like, it's just so... (laughs) But your website is beautiful. Oh, thank you. My SEO is not. My SEO is like (laughs) so ugly. But... The reason I bring this up is I think it's important to figure out what works for us. And that works super well for you. Networking women's Mm -hmm. group works so well for me. For other people, it's Facebook ads. For some people, it is doing charity events. It's just figuring out what your plan is and being consistent. Well, being consistent at what you're really great at, Mm -hmm. I think is really important to understand. Because yes, we have all of these things that we should be doing and can be doing. And there's all these different ways that we can leverage things. But really where the bulk of your energy has to go is in the things that you excel at because that's where your momentum comes from. Right. So yes, my SEO is good, but to a place now where I'm like, oh, okay. And I, you know, before Sue and I talked about doing that live on SEO, I actually hadn't done much with it in several months 
And I was like, oh God, I have to get my SEO back up and running, (laughs) you know, and just to make sure that it's at a qualified level. And at the same time, it's because I was really working to to connect with my client base and build those referrals. Mm -hmm. So I had shifted my focus to something that I'm good at building relationships, but I wanted to be really great at it. And these are just things you have to kind of pivot to make better in your business so that it can run consistently. And it was really an eye-opener when I went, oh gosh, I have to come back to the SEO piece. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) To make that better. Well, there's always more than one marketing stream, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Like the referral base, the SEO base, the networking base. I mean, I feel like it. the more, although I hesitate to say that it's doing everything poorly, I think maybe choosing a few things and doing them all well is probably what's going to serve us best in terms of getting clients. Well, and for me, especially after being in business for a few years, it was like I really heavily networked for a long time. And I really dove into SEO and I really dove into building those referral bases with my previous clients. But it's also about like, oh, okay, you can kind of let that roll so that when you want to tap into that network, it's not totally forgotten. Mm -hmm. So when I walk into a networking meeting, even if I haven't been in a couple of months, everybody in the room still knows who I am when I walk Mm -hmm. in the door. Absolutely. And that's really where you want to be because that's where other people, when they say, oh, hey, there's Kat Ford Coates or there's Nikki Klosser, it's because they've cultivated a relationship Mm -hmm. with you. And they're excited to be in a relationship with you, which means that they're even more excited to do business with you. Exactly. You totally hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. And putting the time and effort into building those relationships changes everything for sure. Everything. Everything. So tell us where your business is at now. You know, do you have a sales average? Do you know your sales average? What are you shooting? Yeah. Tell us what it's like now. Oh my gosh. Well, in 2019, my business took a really big shift. I brought on associate photographers. So we have two associate photographers now, and they have taken on the bulk of my local work. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been really exciting, especially to watch them grow and shoot things that they want to be shooting. I've got one, and she loves fashion photography. Mm. So she's been building these intense lookbooks with product and models and these beautiful stories. It's just incredible what she's accomplished. And then the other one, he loves building personal branding campaigns for people. So they have really become super integral in how Studio 828 operates. And so I'm really the lucky one. I get to focus on a lot of destination work and photographing dancers and more on the art side of things Mm -hmm. these days. Which makes sense since you were so into the theater and Mm -hmm. Broadway and just all that makes sense. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. That's been exciting, but my personal work is sort of split up. So on the portrait side, like with my dancers and people here locally, my average is just under 3,200. Wow, that's great. And my destination work, I primarily, right now I'm working with three clients and all of them are these crazy powerful women. And we go everywhere from Las Vegas to New York City. I think Palm Springs is scheduled to come up later this year. We'll see what that looks like. But they're much larger campaigns and they're for these queen branding events. They're almost these editorial productions. And so that's kind of where I've been focusing. That sounds so fun. Now, are these clients local to you and then you're doing the traveling together? No. So those clients have come from Facebook advertising. Ah, see? Yeah. One found me from a video that Caitlin had done for Portrait Unforgettable, which is a collaboration brand that I do with Sarai Taylor Roman. And she happens to live in Phoenix. And we were running this ad in Phoenix to book local clients to photograph around the Portrait Masters conference. And she saw it and called me and was like, look, I want your vision, da 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 And we ended up in New York City last fall doing just this epic production with parachute dresses on the New York Library public steps. And it's a dream. How cool. It really is a dream. That's so exciting. Isn't it so great when you find one of those clients who just sticks with you and just, you know what they want Mm -hmm. and they know 
as each shoot goes, the different outfits they want to bring next time and, you know, they want to mix it up with a different variety. And it's so fun. I have a couple clients like that who come oh, yeah. back multiple times and I just love it. Mm-hmm. So great. No, we have so much fun. And there are these big productions with like our team, you know, you can't really fly under the radar with this team of people and their stylists and assistants and people holding lights and, and all of the things. <laughs> and, and you look up and you're like, I'm living my dream right now. So cool. And you just kind of take a pause and you're just like, hell yeah. Yeah. This is my life. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Although mine's not like holding lights and lots of assistance. Mine's still like bare bones, me and the makeup artist and a reflector. But it's still, awesome. it's still my living a dream. Would you mind going back to talking a little bit more about your associate photographers and how that works? Sure. And, you know, do you pay them hourly or do they make a cut of your sale? Like, how does that work? So they make a cut of the sale. Their payment is based on how well they sell to their client. Yeah, that's how I do it too. Yeah. So the client comes in and my studio manager, she will forward, she sort of divvies up the inquiries based on what they're looking for and whose turn it is and all the things. And then they handle everything from the consultation through the sale. If they need a hand, you know, with any of the process, I'm, I'm there for it. Or if they feel like they need extra training or to talk through something or even help in the sales room, you know, I, I'm there to support them on that. But yeah, it's their client. They come, they shoot, they consult, they have the sales session, they send the order to the studio manager, she gets everything fulfilled. They go back through and do the quality assurance piece when everything's in-house to make sure that the images are clear and the paper's good and the mats look great and the folio box is correct and and the canvases are exactly where they're supposed to be and, you know, nothing scratched and handle the delivery. Wow, that's awesome. So, yeah, I do a lot more probably (laughs) than I should with my associate photographer, but yeah, that's awesome. So basically, they're just coming in under your name. Like, the clients are Mm -hmm. finding you, and then you're giving them the option to use an associate photographer as opposed to using you? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is there a price difference there if they use the associate photographer? There is now, yeah. So the associates have sort of my quote-unquote old pricing. You know, the here's the folio boxes and here's a la carte and all of the Mm -hmm. things. And then mine is just a standard $3,500 for a box of 20. And then if they want a la carte, they can purchase a la carte on top. And if they work with me, you know, it's a half day affair unless we go on location. But everything else is just, you know, yeah, straight through to the associates primarily, unless they're like, no, 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 but I need cat, which happens sometimes. But for the most part, people are just like, God, I love the work here. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how it is for me too, where I offer people, if you want to wait for me, here are my dates and here's when I can do it if you want my associate photographer, but I only give them $150 gift voucher. So they get $150 towards a package if they Mm. choose to use my associate photographer, Janelle. Otherwise, yeah, that's really the only difference that I've been doing, but I don't know. I might mix it up. We'll see. Because really they're getting the same great service and I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. someone, and I'm sure it's the same for you. I wouldn't have someone shooting that I didn't think was going to produce, you know, photos to my expectations. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. So like I've trained her and For me, it's more of a time disparity. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, look, I just don't have time to shoot for clients here unless I'm here for, you know, at least three weeks. Right. Because I want them to have that time to prepare and get ready. So if they want me, like, they're going to pay for it. But it also means they probably have to wait. And most people pick up the phone to call a studio primarily because they need new branding and headshots. Right. You know, so unless, well, Mother's Day. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so if they're calling for headshots, then they know that they needed them two weeks ago. Right, right. That's very similar to my situation, too. Usually people are like, well, actually, I kind of need them next week. And I'm like, oh, I have the perfect solution for you. Janelle's available on this day and this day. And yeah, so it mm-hmm. kind of works out nice. Isn't it funny just sitting here talking about all of this and you're like, yes, you know, it's $3,500 and blah, blah. And here you were, however long ago, what, eight years ago, doing Mm -hmm. four part-time gigs at restaurants and trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life. And look at you now. Pretty awesome. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. Heck yeah, it is. Well, and it sort of stops me in my tracks sometimes. And I'm like, you know, even six years ago, we were almost homeless. And so much has happened from just building the business and starting to really appreciate my own worth enough to like see a doctor and a dentist and take care of myself mm-hmm. has really been what's allowed me to pivot 
for lack of a better term, to start growing the business because I was worth enough to take care of who I am as a person and my body. And we deserve to live in a home that we own. And I think when I started to really grab onto that understanding is really when the business started to take off. I mean, that's powerful stuff right there, what you just said. I mean, the fact that Mm -hmm. you were in a place where you didn't feel that you could see a doctor or dentist, Mm -hmm. that's a huge shift that you've made. I'm really proud of you. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely deserve it for sure. Pretty awesome, Kat. All right. So on that note, (laughs) I have a feeling you're going to inspire a lot of people with that. That's for sure. Okay. So on that note, I always ask guests the same questions at the end. I have a bunch of questions. Mm -hmm. Would you mind answering them for us? Sure, sure. All right, awesome. So the first one is, what is something you can't live without when you're shooting? God, I could answer that with all the things, right? Like (laughs) my spider belt and clamps and polyboards and, you know, insert accoutrement. But honestly, I would have to say it's patience and being open. Mm. It's really easy to fall into the trap of all the things. Mm -hmm. And it's also really easy to cookie cutter. And, you know, we have this beautiful formula and it works. So if we just churn it out, then it'll be great. Right. But it's in the churning that where the soul of what we're providing gets lost. And for me, having enough patience to be open to creating with this person and not just for them is really when my work shines, is really when I create something that I'm proud of that they fall in love with. So, yeah, not to get too esoteric, but probably patience. (laughs) That's such a great answer. It really is because it really goes back to having good service Mm -hmm. and listening to your client and what it is that they want as opposed to just churning it out like you said. I'm so glad you said that. It's a really, really, really great example. Sure. How do you want to be photographed? Yeah. Yeah. goes back to the basics of listening (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Okay, number two, how do you spend your time when you aren't shooting? (laughs) I'm pretty much always in a state of creating. So whether that is business plans, recording, painting, singing, yeah, there's rarely a time that I am not creating something. Even if it's marketing plans for the next two years or a new website or a new business idea, it's pretty much always smack dab in the middle of oh, that's a good idea. What would that look like mm-hmm. if I fleshed it out? <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Hey, when you're a creator, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? Mm. Favorite inspirational quote would have to be from Conor McGregor. He's a UFC fighter. Ah. But he said, there is no talent here. This is hard work. This is an obsession. Talent does not exist. Mm -hmm. We are all equals as human beings. You could be anyone if you put in the time. You will reach the top, and that's that. I am not talented. I am obsessed. That is, I love that. Love, love, love that. Yeah, it's favorite of all time, probably. Mm -hmm. I really agree with that. Mm -hmm. That talent is, I don't know that it's not that I don't fully believe in talent, but man, anyone can work really hard to master something. Mm-hmm. I don't care how quote unquote talented you are. If you don't put in the work and become obsessed and master it, like he said, it doesn't matter. Sure. Yeah. With photography, I love that quote. you know, <laughs> I can have a really great eye and it can be an alignment for me to create something visual that I think is pretty. But if I don't put in the effort and the time to master it, to make it really not just proficient, but really great, like then, okay, it's pretty. Mm -hmm. Get obsessed. Mm -hmm. Be the best. Love it. Okay, number four, what would you say to people who are just getting started? Join Superice Education. (laughs) I mean, I know that sounds so like whatever, but it's true. Like get obsessed with learning every component about your process because once you know it inside and out, then you can make it your own. And that means that you do have to get in there and learn about, you know, how do you flow pose from the floor to the ceiling? How do you pose families? And you know what? You're not going to get it on the first try. So give yourself a little bit of grace Mm -hmm. and go to the place that is going to show you how to master everything from posing to lighting to 
structuring your business and giving you great infrastructure to work from to building that foundation so that you can be sustainable. Nothing will kill you faster than trying to figure it out on your own. Yep. I love it. Great advice. Thank you. What's next for you? Gosh. Well, right now is probably reconfiguring the the travel gigs that we had planned out for the year because coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And mapping that out. But really, I want to celebrate my associates and their achievements. They're all coming up on like six and nine month anniversaries because their work has evolved in such a way that's just really exciting. And I want to make sure that they feel the love. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going to have some champagne parties to celebrate the business anniversary, but also their evolution. And I think that's what's next is really just honoring the people who support me and my business mm-hmm. and that are getting better while they do it. That's great. And I'm sure they're going to love that. Just to feel appreciated is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So where can people find you, Kat, if they're looking for you online? So the website is studio-828.com. On Instagram, it's Studio 828 Photography. And on Facebook, it's also, I think the tale of the website is facebook.com slash studio 828 photography AVL. Awesome. Well, thank you for being so open and candid. And I know you shared some personal stuff. So we appreciate you being here and just telling everyone about what you do and how you got here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, It's been quite a journey. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right. We'll talk soon. Definitely. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35 and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love, and there are posing downloads, lighting downloads, I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.